Thanks for checking out this message from Coastal Community Church. We hope it's helpful and encouraging. Hey, hey, good morning. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord with you all today. Let me quickly just say, if you're tuning in online, thank you so much. We love you. We appreciate you. If you're ever in the Charleston area, feel free to come visit. We'd love to worship alongside you and your family. Family, uh, let me just start off by saying that it's such an honor to be able to share God's word uh, with you all today. Uh, I am Jacob, and I wear a lot of different hats here at Coastal. Perhaps you see me on the screen doing pre-show a lot. I'm kind of regularly our pre-show guy. I love to give you all information that you can use. Uh, I'm also sometimes our emergency drummer, which I love doing. I love being able to do that. Uh, Two weeks ago, I got to be the Wasp Slayer. The Wasp Slayer is a real real thing. Actually, I'll I'll actually add, I was told to add this, Chris Jones helped me maybe a little bit. So me and Chris Jones, I got to use the upstate in me, the country uh, side of things, and I got to eradicate an issue of wasps that we had. So if you see any more, let me know. I'll take care of it. I got your back. Uh, But most of the time, I'm our church's youth pastor. And I just want to echo what PC says at the end of every service. I love being uh, this church's youth pastor. We have an amazing youth team, uh, students, uh, families, but also people like you. Uh, who help and support what we do as a ministry and investing in the next generation. Uh, My wife and I are just so blessed to be a part of Coastal. And we're in one of my favorite series that we do here at Coastal called At the Movies. Now, the reason this series is one of my favorites is because I love movies. I just absolutely love movies. They're amazing. Uh, In fact, one of my most vivid memories of growing up in my family of nine was whenever we would gather around the dinner table. Uh, of course, we'd break bread and, and do all that stuff. We'd all take our seats. But the thing that I remember the most so vividly was just the conversations we would have. And sure, we'd talk about things like life, uh, work, school. And of course, we'd argue. It's family and nine. I'm just going to keep it real. We did that sometimes. But one of the biggest things I remember was just the constant quoting of movies. And I'm like, I'm telling you, it is constant. If you ask my wife, she'll tell you. If we get together today, my parents came to town, and probably like 40% of our conversation was either quoting a movie or trying to figure out what movie did you just quote, because I don't remember. Like, that's how serious we are about our movies and my family. And my wife will tell you, it's, it's honestly at a bizarre level. I can quote, if not the entirety, almost the complete version of Jim Carrey's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Now, I don't know if I'm bragging about that or if this is like a cry for help. So I will let you be the judge of that. But what I'm trying to communicate is I love movies. And so uh, At the Movies is one of my favorite series here. And of course, it's coastal. So we have a lot of fun with it, with the popcorn and all that other stuff. Uh, But let me just say, if you're visiting coastal for the first time, don't worry, we don't preach from the movies themselves. All we do is we take an idea or a theme from the movie, and then we dive into God's word based off that idea. So with that said, today's movie that we're looking at is the Pixar film called Up. And the story of Up is one of my all-time favorite children's movies, at least, uh, because I like to call it an animated classic. And it's got everything you need for a great story. I mean, adventure, humor, uh, danger. It is so amazing. And it's a a movie about an adventure of an old man who's trying to get his home, his house, to a place called Paradise Falls. And he's doing this as a way to honor his late wife uh, because she always dreamed and talked about going on their adventure. The main character, whose name is Mr. Fredrickson, uses some unconventional ways to travel, like tying balloons to his house. Uh, These things make the story fun and interesting and memorable. Mr. Fredrickson uh, eventually gets his house to the falls, but he doesn't do it without being a bit of a jerk along the way. 
kind of really uh, the moral or the lesson this movie tries to teach is that the adventure Mr. Fredrickson had been craving was never about really getting to the, the destination. It was about the relationships and people he met along the way. And so this movie is really awesome. I, I love it and I have a lot of fun with it, but I want to go back to the point in the main character's life to where the story really uh, begins for him. Now, there's a lot of different directions I could go with this movie, uh, but I want to note really quickly just a few bad things that Mr. Fredrickson does throughout the film because he's not this innocent old man that we are led to believe. First off, Mr. Fredrickson does not take care of Russell when as the adult, he should have been taking care of him. Right, you saw on the, the preview that Russell was trapped on the house. Mr. Fredrickson opens the door. He's like, you're here, and they're in the air at this point. So they're basically stuck together. And rather than being empathetic and considerate to a child, uh, Mr. Fredrickson is rude. He's inconsiderate. He actually ends up abandoning Russell in the wilderness in order to get his house to the falls. Mr. Fredrickson is also rude to people in his life uh, who are, for the most part, pretty innocent. He thinks everybody is out to get him. Everyone's out to take his home. And he's protective, protective of it because it reminds him of his wife. But he takes it a step too far because he hits a man on the head with his tennis ball cane and gives him a concussion. And that really uh, drives what happens after that and why he leaves for the falls. So Mr. Fredrickson, what I want us to see, he's not this innocent old man. The dude's got some issues. He needs some help. But the question I have for us today is, what caused him to be this way? What drives him to do some of the things that he does throughout the film? Like, like, why does he do these crazy things like tying balloons to his house and flying to a foreign country? Why does he do some inconsiderate and hurtful things like abandoning a child in the wilderness? Many people who watch the movie will say, well, Mr. Fredrickson really, really loved his wife. He just missed her and he was sad after she died. And so he did all those things out of sadness. But I think that there is a deeper issue going on here in the film. And the word I kept coming back to when thinking about this movie was the word restless. Mr. Fredrickson had his adventure with his wife. But when she passed away, he was not only left alone, but Mr. Fredrickson was, out real, was without real rest. He had no purpose. He had no fulfillment. And he felt like the only way to be at rest was to go on this adventure to a fitting name of Paradise Falls. But once he gets there, we find out he wasn't restful. What he thought was going to give him rest left him empty at the end. This restlessness drove him to tie balloons to his house and to do some mean things. But unfortunately, he still wasn't fulfilled. Now, although I hope and pray that no one in this room is crazy enough to tie balloons to your house, nor are you going to abandon a child in the wilderness, I do think many of us in this room might struggle with the same thing as Mr. Fredrickson. Some of us in this room are restless. What I mean by that is you came here today and you're searching. You're looking for real peace, lasting comfort, purpose, and security, and nothing in this world has provided that for you yet. When we look at God's word, the first thing that I think is important for us to recognize and to see is true is that restlessness is a reality. Restlessness is a reality. Genesis 4.12 says this, if you work the ground, it will never again give you its yield. You'll be a restless wanderer on the earth. Right here, God is punishing Cain for the murder of his brother. And he's saying, I am punishing with you with a restless spirit. 
Daniel 2.1 is another uh, situation in God's word that addresses a restless person. It says, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar had dreams that troubled him and sleep deserted him. The point in showing you these verses is to show you that restlessness is a real thing, even in God's word. But hear me out. Most of the time, when we think about restlessness, we attribute it to people who do not yet believe, to people who are not yet Christians. But I want us to see and to take note that I'm not just talking to unbelievers today. I believe that there are Christians, believers in this room, who are restless And I believe that God's word has something to say about a restless spirit in Christians as well. In fact, look at these next two verses that I have for you. Scripture addresses people who loved God, yet they had a restless spirit at one time. Psalm 42, 11 says this, Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Doesn't that sound like somebody who is restless? What about this one? King David, man after God's own heart, even he had to deal with a restless spirit. In Psalm 6, 6, it says, I am weary from my groaning. With my tears, I dampen my bed and drench my couch every night. My point in including these verses is to show you that uh, if you struggle with restlessness, there's no need to be ashamed. It's a reality. It's real. It's something we all have to deal with. So what's the solution? Well, before we dive into the solution, I want to go a little bit deeper into what actually causes a restless spirit. What at the core is inducing and creating this restlessness within us? If it's a reality, what actually creates it? And so the first thing that I have for us is worry creates a restless spirit. Matthew 6, 25 through 27, this is Jesus. And he says, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body What you will wear isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can anyone or any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? Jesus right here is telling us not to worry about the trivial or the larger things in life because God is sovereign. And what that means is that God is above all. He's in control of everything, including things as little as the birds. Jesus is trying to show us that if God cares enough to take care of birds, then how much more will God, our heavenly father, care for his children? And the fact is life is full of things that are out of our control. And when we allow worry and fear to enter our lives, our spirit can very easily become restless. What we do is we begin looking for all the answers in all the wrong places, and our situation goes from bad to worse, which produces an even deeper restless spirit within us. It's like when you were a kid or when I was a kid and you were out playing with your sibling and you inevitably one day break something, right? And I I still remember the look on my brother Justin's face the moment that happened. He's rubbing his hands together. He's like, well, can't wait to tell mom and dad when they get home. And he's like relishing this opportunity to snitch on me. Uh, I love my brother, but that's just how he was. And so that's the reality. And so instantly fear hits you, right? You're like, what is dad going to do? Like, what is mom? What are they going to say? I'm going to be grounded for the rest of my life. I'm in trouble. And so naturally, I begin uh, not only worrying, but I begin to try to fix my problem, right? And you know how the, pro- how the situation goes. It goes from bad to worse. And what happened is I allowed the worry and fear of how my dad would respond to provoke me into a deeper state of restlessness. And when I made the situation worse, it drove me even deeper, Right? 
And so worry creates and induces a restless spirit. The second thing that can create restlessness within us is discontentment. Discontentment. 1 Timothy 6, 6 6-9 says this. It says, But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. But those who want to be rich fall into temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. What we see here is that God's word calls us uh, to be content with the things that he has given us, that he's entrusted us with. Discontentment causes us to pursue things that God has not given us. And it creates a situation where we are constantly dissatisfied. Maybe we gain that thing that we want, that we were discontent, we gain that thing that we want. But eventually the things of this world fade away. And that feeling that we have from whatever that thing is, that fades away as well. And we're left feeling dissatisfied. Or we're never able to attain or achieve that thing that we're striving for that we want. And we remain in the state of constant restlessness. Discontentment creates a restless spirit. The third thing that I want to mention that causes a restless spirit within us is our humanity. Our humanity. The theologian Augustine, uh, he put it this way. He said, you, and he's talking about God, you, God, have made us for yourself, and our heart is restless until it rests in you. Augustine is saying, no matter where we look, unless we're resting in God the Father, we will constantly be restless. It is a reality. It is innate within all people. Now, I tend to agree with him. I think he's correct, but I have something much better than my opinion for us today. I believe that God's word teaches that restlessness is at the core of every human heart. See, when God made all things, all the way back in the book of Genesis, I'm talking first page of the Bible, in Genesis, in the Garden of Eden, we had rest. We had a home. We had security. We had a certain future. We had comfort. We had rest. But when we chose to sin, we were sent from our rest. We were sent from our home. Restlessness has been at the core of every heart since then. In fact, a major question uh, answered, uh, they got a seeking answer all throughout question or all throughout scripture is this question, will man find rest again? From the moment of Genesis 3 to the last page of the Bible, God has been answering that question throughout scripture. And what I mean uh, by that is, um, I mean that God has been trying to fix rest all throughout scripture. So he shows this in Exodus 33, 14, when he's talking to Moses. He says, and he replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. He's promising rest to his people through Moses. Uh, The entire book of Joshua is actually about this. It's answering this question. Will the people of God find rest through the promised land? And we know as we read throughout uh, that book that they eventually make it. They get to the promised land where they're supposed to have rest. And that is confirmed in 1 Kings 8, 56. It says this, blessed be the Lord. He has given what? Rest to his people Israel, according to all he has said. Not one of all the good promises he made through his servant Moses has failed. So what we see throughout scripture in the Old Testament is that Israel made it to their rest in the promised land. Yet we know that they don't stay there. They didn't remain in the rest of God. They chose to do what they wanted. And rather than staying in the rest God provided, they wandered along. They did their own thing. They pursued their own desires. And the rest they had found left them because they ran from 
God, the source of that rest. And so what I'm saying with all that, the point I'm saying that is that if you, uh, I want you to see that restlessness is not a 2023 thing. It's not a you thing. It's not a me thing. It is entirely a people thing. It is a reality that we all must face. And since we all face a restless spirit, many of us look in many different areas to fix that issue. Well, where do we look? The first place we look is something I've kind of already mentioned is that some people look to the material to fix their restlessness. They think if I just uh, get that job, if I get that promotion, if I buy whatever it is that I'm setting my mind to to buy, if I just get that dream home, I will be at rest. I'll be at peace. I'll be satisfied. But again, like I said earlier, the things of this world don't satisfy and they decayed and fade away over time. Some people look to relationships to fix uh, their restless souls. Uh, you know, people think, you know, once I find the one, once I find my significant other, that person, my soulmate, then finally I'll be at rest. I'll be okay. Everything else could go wrong in life, but as long as I have this person by my side, I will be at rest. But the reality is it might seem like that person offers rest for a time, but I promise that time very quickly moves on and you'll be left in the aftermath of faulty expectations, which produces hard challenges. Some people look to vacations. And I've got two types of vacations people look to. The first is the physical vacation. People think, I just need that weekend getaway. I just gotta go to Cancun or Hawaii or wherever it is that your family likes to go. If I can just physically escape the situation and recharge my batteries, then I'll be good. I can take on my restlessness, the craziness of this world on my own as long as I'm ready to go with some recharged batteries. But the fact is we return and our restlessness is still there. Our reality, our situations haven't changed when we come back. Some people try to not necessarily physically remove themselves uh, to take a physical vacation, but some people want to take a mental vacation. They run to technology or whatever it is uh, that they have, and they seek to try to distract themselves from their situation. They don't want to meet the issue head on, and so they escape and they numb the situation that is a restless spirit. But again, the reality is when we wake up, at, in the morning, our situation is still there. And so we have no choice but to return back to whatever it is that we're using to numb ourselves. The issue is that none of these things that I mentioned and nothing in this world can appease and fix our restless souls. And when we chase these things, we are left feeling as if we are constantly aching, but there's no cure. We feel like we have a cold that will never be warmed. It's as if we're running a race where the finish line never comes into sight. In other words, if we're seeking things of this world to fix our restlessness, then we're hopeless. And maybe that's where you're at today. Maybe you're here in this room or you're watching online and you've recognized that restlessness is real. It's something that's within us and it's something we all have to deal with. And maybe you have been searching. Maybe you have been trying to fix and appease your restlessness with the things of this world. Maybe even some of the things that I mentioned. And maybe you know that it's not going to work. It's not going to fix your issue. But what I want you to know today is that we can find rest. Rest is real. Rest is available and it's available for all of us. And so where do we find rest? Well, scripture says that we find rest in Jesus. Now, before we can understand that Jesus is where we find rest, we must make sure that we understand that the source of rest is in God the Father. 
So really quick, I'm just gonna recap what we know so far and how we got here. And then we're gonna pick up in Matthew 11, verse 27. So back in the Garden of Eden, the Father gave them rest. They sinned and they were sent away from their rest. But God orchestrated a plan. He created a plan in Genesis 3 to return us there. God wants us to have rest. He promised rest to Abraham and through his people in a land called the Promised Land. And like we talked about earlier, Joshua and Israel eventually make it there. But Israel chose to stray from their rest in God the Father by pursuing their own desires. So God the Father sent his son Jesus to earth to finalize our rest once and for all. And so with the idea that God the Father is the source of rest, with that in our mind, let's pick up in Matthew eleven twenty-seven. 27. Jesus says this, All things have been entrusted to me by uh, my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son desires to reveal him. Now I'm going to pause right there. Jesus says, all things have been entrusted to him by the Father. What he's saying is that all authority, all power has been given and entrusted to him to orchestrate and give as he pleases in accordance to the will of the Father. And so simply put, if the Father is the source of rest, Jesus is saying that he is there now to give rest. And he backs that very idea up in the next sentence in Matthew eleven twenty-eight. 28. He says, because I have authority, all authority is mine, come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Again, right after Jesus says he has all, all authority, he tells those listening to him that he can give them rest. And I love God's word. I love how this works because God's word, the Bible is not a bunch of disconnected stories with a bunch of different authors that have their own agendas and they're constantly contradicting each other. It is one story written by one God who has inspired different people to write this book, this Bible. And we saw all throughout the Old Testament, they're answering, can people find rest? And Jesus is saying, I am here to answer that question. Jesus says, if you are tired, come to me, I will give you rest. He's saying, if you're hopeless, come to me, I will give rest. Jesus is saying, if you've looked and searched all throughout the world and you haven't found it, I'm here now, come to me. I'm the one who will give you rest. All of scripture has been leading up to this point and Jesus is saying, rest is here. You don't have to look for it. You don't have to earn it. You simply have to come to me. The same rest God promised in Genesis 3, when he promised to defeat Satan and sin, the source of our restlessness is here. And only Jesus can give it. So if you're in this room right now, and you're, or, or if you're online, and you're someone who recognized and said, I am hopeless, I am without rest, and I don't know where to find it, Jesus is saying, come to me, and I will give you rest. So that is how we find rest. But a big question that I see, uh, people not necessarily asking, but many people wonder and struggle with this question is, okay, Jacob, like I get how to have rest, but how do I actually maintain rest over a period of time? Maybe you are a believer and for a short while, maybe right after you gave your life to Jesus and uh, became a Christian, maybe God's rest was real and you felt it very clearly for a time. But as the years have gone on, and life and situations have happened, that rest has seemed to fade away. And you feel like you're on your own again. 
you feel like you are restless again and you want to know, well, how do I actually maintain that same level of rest I felt when I first believed? And if you want to maintain rest, I believe the answer is that we must remain close to the source of rest. James 4.8 says this. It says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. The main culprit of our restlessness is our humanity, but the simplest way to explain it is that sin causes us to be restless. And it's not something that God wants us to feel. It's not something that God wants us to sit in and remain in. In James, the author is saying that in order to resist sin and the enemy, we must draw close to God. What I'm trying to say is that if God is the source of rest, if we believe that, then the only way to keep his rest in our lives is to remain close to the source. Jesus in Matthew 11 backs this up, I believe. He didn't say, hey, just say a prayer, then do whatever you want to for the rest of your life, and then you'll have rest. Jesus said, come to me, then you have rest. I believe that we are called through God's word to not only go to the source of rest, but I believe that we're called to remain there and to remain close to Jesus. Draw near to him and he will draw near to you. Thing is, many times we go through mountains and valleys in our lives. And when we go into a valley, we sometimes ask God, God, where did you go? You promised me a peace, hope, security, rest. Why don't I feel those things right now? Have you, have you left me? Have you changed? God hasn't changed. His rest didn't change. Scripture says that God is the same yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. So what happened? I believe in order to know what has happened in our lives, we must look at what happened to Israel when they found rest. They made it to the promised land. They had rest, but they went and did their own thing. They started serving their own gods. They pursued their own desires. They said, I want to do life my way, not your way anymore, God. And then they looked around with like a shocked face, like, God, where did your rest go? And God's saying, it's where it's always been. It's with me, but you left me. You did what you wanted. And because we are people, sometimes we tend to repeat the mistakes of others. Sometimes history repeats itself. And when we lack the presence of rest in our lives, it's possibly because we knowingly or unknowingly have strayed away from the source of rest, just like Israel did. This is why I preach and encourage uh, our students in our stu student ministry to constantly grow in their daily walk with the Lord, to, to, to be diving into scripture every day, to, to be praying every day and to holding each other accountable. It's not to create dogmatic rule followers who have modified some of their behavior. If that's the end goal, then everything we're doing here at church is meaningless. It's so that when life happens, they won't have to wonder where the source of rest is. They won't have to say, God, where did you go? He'll be right there with them because they have remained and drawn close to him. And he promises to draw close if we are striving to do that. My question for you, believer, is have you strayed from the source of rest? Have we tried to do life on our own? Before we even consider going to God, do we try to fix our situations on our own? When we do that, we mustn't wonder where our rest went. It's right where it always has been. It's still with God. We simply need to return to him. So what did Jesus say is the solution to someone who is weary and without rest in Matthew 11? Go to him. 
the source of rest. One of the last things I want to leave you with is this, is that rest is not a reward. It's received. Rest is not a reward. It's received. Ephesians 2.8 says, For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Everything in this world says, if you want it, you have to earn it. Very little for many of us is simply just given to us. I had a football coach who drove this in my mind all throughout uh, my time playing football. He said, Benetti, if you want your teammates' respects, uh, respect, if you want my respect, you've got to earn it. It's not just given to you. And this idea is driven into our mind. But I want to encourage you and say that God's rest is not a um, is not a reward to a select few who meet a certain criteria. It's not partial to any type of person or language. It is free. It's a gift. And it's meant to be simply received. It's not a reward. All you have to do is run to the feet of Jesus, the source of rest. And as I close, I'm going to end with this. Something I love about God is that the solution to a restless soul is the same. Maybe you're someone and you are someone who's recognizing I am hopeless and I want to receive this rest. You want to trust in Jesus. You recognize that he is perfect, that he died for your sins and you are finally going to trust. You're going to stop pursuing the things of this world, but you're going to run to the feet of Jesus. If that's you, then all you have to do, the solution to a restless soul is to run to the feet of Jesus, the source of rest. But if you are a Christian in this room, and you have experienced the absence of God's rest, the solution is the same. Run to Jesus, the source of rest. That's why I love what we get to do here at Coastal. Every morning we come together, and none of us are perfect, but we get to come together, we worship, we lift high the name of Jesus because he is great and worthy to be praised. And when God reveals to us his word, we can simply say, I don't have it together. I don't have all the answers, but Jesus does. And we can run to him. We can go to him. We can say, Jesus, here I am. Change my life. Make me more like you. And over our, as uh, we go into a time of response, that's exactly what we're going to do here in a second. But first, let me pray for us. Father God, I thank you for uh, the fact that you did not leave us in our restlessness, God. God, we deserve uh, to be left alone. But God, in your grace, you said, I want to give you rest. I want to give people rest. And you sent your son, Jesus, to do that. God, we thank you so much. God, would we not waste that opportunity, but would we do what Jesus said? Would we come to him? In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. From Pastor Chris and the family at Coastal Community Church, have a blessed day.